I don't. I don't even know where we watch it. Do we? I've got it on. It's on. We're here. I don't. We're, we are officially live. Uh, let's. It's here's the um, for those that are on now. It's on YouTube. Oh, okay. Popping that in the chat. All right. So we've just come out. We're first in the draw. We're watching the draw live. If you're hearing this recorded, and we're playing Manchester United or Fulham. Ah, <laughs> oh, so that means City get a walk to the final, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I think we we got a fairly easy draw this time round, didn't we? So, uh, you know what? Is I'll it, take it, I'll take it. It's like the second worst. Right? Is it so weird a, to say I'd rather face Man U than Sheffield United than Fulham? Oh, than Fulham? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I would too. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, all right. That's fun. So there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of rigged in the in the YouTube. Chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some. Yeah. There's some. Oh God. UAE money changing like, hands there. Isn't well, there? Yeah. I mean, essentially, what? Well, essentially, we're in the way of a Manchester derby in the FA Cup final, aren't we? See if we can spoil that. Yeah, I mean, would the City have the potential of decimating United as well? I think I, I genuinely think City would rather face United than they would us in a final. Like, genuinely, I think, I think so. So, well, the the team talks a little easier, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, play with the hand we've been dealt. I mean, we beat United before. We can beat them again. Um, if it is yeah. Fulham, then like like you said, I'd rather face United at this point, just because I know, I know Fulham did a number on us. I think we all know that. We talked about it at length. So, uh, okay. Yeah. All not right. The wor- not the worst. It could have been City. So. It could have been City, yeah. Uh, all right, well, that's that. We are we, we started weirdly today, everyone. Um, Josh is Josh is jumping on. He was watching the draw. We all, things happen quickly. We didn't quite <laughs> realize that the draw would happen like almost immediately after the game. So yeah, we to just try every, and catch that. Everything is meticulously planned with the podcast with this podcast. Yeah, I mean everything down to the <laughs> second. Uh, that is that's how we do things over here. Um, this is, and we normally leave this to Josh, but this is what episode 206, and we're covering mm. Palace Dub- and Grimsby. Yeah, the old double whammy. The double whammy. And weirdly, when's the last time we had a double where we could talk about two wins? Oh, oh two wins. Oh, I don't know. Um, it always seems to be one and the other, doesn't it? A little bit of Jackal and Hyde, but not a bad week. Yeah. How are you feeling anyway? How's, how's well, obviously, after you can't be too mad after a five nil victory that we're recording 20 minutes after the final whistle went, but how you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah. I, I think, um, it's a double header cause it's, I think it's been a busy week for all of us. So, uh, yeah, yes. just, just uh, getting through the week, waiting for the weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, this was, a, this is a week of survival, uh, an, an absolute survival week, but it's rounding out nicely. I don't know about, um, Anyone else has popped? It looks like Josh has arrived. It, it is Josh. There he yeah. is. Um, we just we we had some immediate reaction to the to the the, the FA Cup semi final draw there, but we're also just catching up on on the latest and greatest. But look, great end to the week. Two victories. The Grand Prix is going to be on shortly. El Clasico is happening. But uh, you know, this is this is the way weekends are meant to happen. Josh, how yeah. you doing? 
Good. Yeah, good. It could be a lot worse, couldn't it? After uh, after that couple of days, could be a lot worse. Um, I just kind of hope Fulham win now. Uh, but then at the same no, time, no, we record, we, we record, just said we have, no. Yeah, no. The record we have against Fulham is not the best, is it? So I suppose not. We were just saying the complete opposite. We'd prefer, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd prefer Man U personally. Yeah. Oh, if only we'd have got, I, I feel like those Sheffield Wednesday would have been, I don't know. Well, look, we can't change the outcome of that now. Uh, but we'd suffice it to say we're in the semi final. Yeah, Sheffield United would have probably beat us, to be fair. That's probably the worst option possible to go to Wembley and then get beat by. At least if we lose to Manchester United, like, it's like, okay, like, we lost to Man U at Wembley, that's okay. Mm. Losing to Sheffield United at Wembley would be, oh, just <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Hey, well, I, I'm, I, this is, this is, I'm going to be upbeat because if we, I'm not two, we were just saying two wins out of two games during this week. We then get a little break, don't we? And then we, we're going to have, we have three games, three Premier League games in the space of seven days when we, when we come back in, in April for our, for our next games. I think we've got a game on the, the Saturday, the Tuesday, and then the Saturday again. Um, and that first one coming up is against Brentford. So for now we get to bask in the victories of this week where we essentially beat one of arguably the most hated team in the Premier League for us, got their manager sacked and then got through to the FA Cup semi-final. It's a good week. It's astounding, isn't it? I mean, and we've also then got, we've even got more fixture congestion now, of course, because that weekend of the 22nd, 23rd was supposed to be Manchester City, which of course will not be happening now uh, because that will have to be rearranged. So we bought both Manchester sides to have to rearrange for. Um, I saw something the other day that since the World Cup break, Manchester United have played every midweek for the last like something like eight and a half weeks. Like they've just not stopped playing every single midweek, either makeup games or Europe or whatever. So I think we're going to be heading into that territory soon. Um, I think it's going to be an insane end to the season. Uh, but it's not just us. And, and I feel like we talked about it before, but this is where we can make or break uh, European competition. There's a lot of teams around us that have even less depth than us um and it's gonna start to show i think oh look i I know we're gonna get in we're gonna dig into the games and all that but my eyes are immediately now on that brentford game that's our next game that is on what is it the first of april so hopefully we don't look like fools on that one but that they they've they've played two games more than us it at that point, it does, if you lose that game, it does, the two game thing doesn't matter. That's such a quote unquote six pointer of a game. If you beat Brentford and you go three points clear of Brentford with two spare games, you're feeling real good. Now, then, if you in, instead it switches up and you've you've got two games, but you drop three points to them, you don't feel so great about everything. Like it's such an important game for us. So we've got to do everything we can in the next eleven days, right? <laughs> Yeah, huge. I think, yeah, there's what they got a red card for Baptiste as well during their last game. So like there's there's a couple of bits there that we can we can look at, but it's gonna be tough. It is, and I think you're right, is that this sort of shapes the rest of the season. And back to what Josh said as well, you you're then playing two games a week for the foreseeable, like and those Encisos, those Sarmientos, those Bonanotes on the bench, they're gonna be playing a lot more. Hey, why is Ivan Tony not in cuffs? Like he's been at Ladbrokes every week <laughs> for three. Why is he? I don't know what happened there. What's happened with this whole thing? 
You took the word out of my mouth. I was going to say in the next 11 days, the FA might pull their fingers out and the main be Ivan Tony-less as well. I, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. I, I don't know where we're at with that. But How, how do I press charges? Like this, <laughs> he's, he's in too good of a run of form as well. I don't, I don't want him anywhere near that squad. Well, he's been, he's, he's been charged, charged by the FA and then picked to play England games. So. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think there's there's no wishful. Well, it is wishful thinking for me. I don't South think anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my thing when I was like slagging it off on Twitter. Like, take Brighton out of the equation entirely, and it's still an appalling choice of like the a lot of the depth pieces are absolutely shocking choices. Like, pretend Brighton are in League Two with Grimsby right now. Pretend they just don't exist, and there's no Brighton players, and people aren't upset about Solly March because at the end of the day. He's not going to get in over Saka, Foden, Grealish. Like, that's the one spot in the entire squad we can't really complain about, right? But, and Dunk is well documented. So just pretend they're not there and just look at that squad in and of itself. Like you say, you've got some absolutely appalling choices. You've got a criminal up front <laughs> that's about to be, yeah, Steve, Steven in the chat, like, will he be able to play with an internet, with an ankle bracelet on? Like, he may well be breaching his terms. Like, who knows? Um, and then you've got like Mark Grahey, who is just like he's for the one of the he's playing for one of the worst teams. Minus in the sixteen right goal now. difference, by the way, and no manager. Yeah. yeah, like it's just there's two or three of the others that well, I was thinking about it the other day, and like they're just bad, like bad, bad picks. Um, yeah, Southgate masterclass, as you say. What? Why shouldn't we be surprised? I suppose. Yeah. Well. Anyway, thankfully we get to not concern ourselves with that um, uh yeah i mean what this uh, would we cut should we talk about grims we should probably talk about grimsby first shouldn't we what, what's your preference feels mm. fresh it does feel fresh and there's fresh more fish. to get it there's more to get into with palace so i think we can breeze through the cup stuff pretty quickly um let's start with uh the fun stat of the day uh, two of Sheffield United's key players are on loan from Manchester City and so cannot play them at Wembley. Um, so, <laughs> if How think, rigged is this? <laughs> it can't get any worse in the draw for Sheffield United. Uh, they Not not a happy time for them. Um, how are we thinking? Uh, how are we feeling about the, the rotation in the squad? Sanchez came in, of course, uh, Webster came in for Veltman, who we will definitely talk about uh, in the latter stages of this podcast. Um, I feel like we could do a whole episode on his performance on Wednesday. Um, and then uh, I think we also had, who else came in? Uh, Welbeck was out for Ferguson and there was a fourth change that I can't remember. Undavin for? Uh, someone. Yeah. Definitely Excellent. someone. This is a uh, Brian fan, Brian fan uh, pod, by the way. Yeah, yeah, excellently well researched podcast, fellas. Uh, we are killing it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I can't even see um, the, the list of the lineup now. Let's see. No, can't see it. So the lineup, very, we'll, very, we'll figure very it strong out. Side. Very, very strong side, though, wasn't it? Uh, you could tell that this is not one that they're uh they were going to be resting their laurels on um post charlton i think this was never going to happen uh, i think deserve is like this was his redemption game um his revenge game and sadly poor grimsby were just like the, the innocent bystanders um and talking of bystanders deserve in the stands again 
Um, not that it made much difference. We're now uh, 9-0 uh, whenever the Serbia has been in the stands on aggregate. So <laughs> maybe he needs to be angry more often. Um, but how are we feeling? Strong side, obviously showing the respect necessary and the determination necessary. We were probably pretty happy with that, given the international breaks on the horizon. Yeah, I think so. I, like you said, it's, it's the respect that a quarterfinal deserves. And I think it was like, I think you even called it that this was going to be almost like the, the redemption arc, as you say, for, for the Zerbi. So uh, it's pl- like pretty pleased just to see a strong squad and obviously just try and get the win as, as quickly as we could, <laughs> if we could at all. So uh, yeah, no no complaints from me. Yeah, it was um, what I quite like about how Deserbi does stuff is he, I know he makes very quick what seem like knee-jerk emotional reactions when a player's done something or he's played badly, like get him out, like we'll put another. But he's clearly open to bringing them back when the dust has settled a little bit. Like Dennis Indav back in and starting for this game. As you said, Robert Sanchez coming in. He's not afraid to drop a player and then bring him back when he feels like he's he's made a point or they've learned a bit of a lesson. And I think that's a nice... That's a nice redeeming feature of his uh, from a, from a, I guess, an early tactical perspective with what this lineup meant. You saw as soon as the game started, from what I could tell, we were basically playing a 3-1, like 5-1. <laughs> it was steep because Grimsby sat so deep. We literally seemed like it was Estupinian playing left centre-back with Duncan Webster. Uh, Caicedo was the only sort of anchor man in the team. And then there was just a bank of five players, it felt like at least, all across the, the middle. And then just Ferguson on, on his own up the top. And we were trying to just crowd them out at the, at the back end of the pitch. So it was a it was one of those ones where I think he gave respect on the team sheet is what I'm trying to say. But tactically, it was, we are going to demolish you. And it certainly seemed like that from the off, didn't it? This was no... Uh... Southampton team at sixes and sevens. Uh, you can have your little displays and your haddocks and your inflatable fun and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. But uh, within about six minutes, uh, Dennis Undav of all people um, has popped one in the back of the net from a Caicedo shot that was palmed out quite Sanchez-esque, uh, which was which by that I mean was just basically right in the part, part of the goal you didn't want it to go. Um, and immediately the pressure is is off. Right. Like that, that worry, that concern of parking the bus and like committing to 11 men behind the ball and trying to break them down. It, it was it was a pretty quick process, wasn't it? Um, and after that, Grimsby had to try and come out. And frank, frankly, they, they didn't do a great job but even doing that, did they? No, I, I think that's why that early goal was so pivotal to any of our games, let alone who we play against. And getting that early doors just entices that press a little bit more, and that's exactly what we need. And we we know that. And I guess the more a team wants to sit back, the more you're going to see that. And I thought the longer the game goes on without a goal, the harder it'll be. Um, but yeah, just happy to get that, as you said, and that of all people as well. Pretty, pretty simple. Um, and then sort of just were able to manage the game from there, which is which is something that we actively want to do. Yeah, I, I, I never felt particularly troubled in this game. It was more of a case of there were certain points where it felt like we could have been three, four up at one point, and we weren't. I mean, the biggest, the, the, the part where I think we could all agree, which I'm sure we'll get onto that felt nervy, was Robert Sanchez should have been sent off. Uh, and I... I'm not, there's no rose tinted specs here or anything like that. 
he he picked the ball up outside of the box. I don't know what version of camera angle they were watching, but the VAR gods were on our side today. But it, we should have had ten men, and that would I tell you what that would have been an interesting match. I did I wouldn't have wanted to actually watch that game, but it would have been interesting for for, for someone a fan of neither team a neutral because. 10 men of Brighton trying to play against an 11 man Grimsby team that, are, you know, one goal down uh, that feel like they can do a giant killing would have been weird, but that was it. That was the only point. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's not so much VAR gods that helped us out there, but it was camera angle gods. Um, I think it was in such a position that like it really was impossible to get an adequate camera angle to see really whether he did. Um, and I, I think if the ref had decided he had and booked it, it's one of those we've talked about him a lot, haven't we? I think the VAR doesn't overturn whatever decision that referee makes today. Uh, so in that case, we just got lucky that the ref made the decision he did, which at this point, most of those those big game-changing decisions are effectively a coin toss uh, of stupidity from the referee um, that we will talk about at length at Palace, uh, which is the reason why Deserby sat in the stands today. <laughs> I just again, uh, you, one went for us today, um, but it, it doesn't dispute the fact that VR is just incompetent at best. So um, yeah, I, in terms of Sanchez, I have no idea what he was thinking. It, it, it makes no rational sense to me um, in in even attempting it. Um, but yeah, we we got away with that one, and I think Adam said it could have been a very different game um, if that went the other way. Yeah, uh, this team is like I said, it's not a it's not a Southampton side that's you know struggling to survive. This is uh, a team that will stifle you and suffocate you and give you no out the whole way. Uh, Stephen in the chat said that he thought Brighton Heart Brighton's half had a COVID restriction set on it, <laughs> and, and and honestly, that, that's that's really how it felt even in that first half where we were definitely not at our best. And Lalana came out at halftime. I don't know how much of the coverage you got the same as us. Uh, in the US, but Lana was interviewed at halftime. He had just come out of the changing rooms um, and uh, they asked him what the team talk was like and he just kind of like gave a wry smile and was like, well, it's not a good one. Um, the manager's not as happy as he could be. Uh, so I suspect we might see a bit of a different performance in the second half. And I mean, that says everything you need to know, right? Like we were 1-0 up. Uh, I think Stephen's pretty much correct. It felt like even in that first half, there was... Uh, some kind of force field stopping that Grimsby team possessing the ball past the halfway line. Uh, and Azerbi was absolutely furious about it. Yeah. I, <laughs> the, the, the control that we had over the game and, and there's a, there's a difference between there's some, there's some, it's a bit semi parallels with the palace game here. And though, of course, with most of the games that we play, there's a, there's a massive over index of possession that we have. Uh, and sometimes you feel that that possession invariably doesn't lead to anything. It's possession for possession's sake. And we're very experienced with that under Potter and have been scarred by it. Um, the the difference here, and it's not just against sides like Grimsby, is we're able more often than not to play with that possession. And then the, the final ball in this second half, for the most part against Grimsby, were were cutting edge like defense splitting passes in a number of instances well i'm sure we're going to wax lyrical about ferguson's first goal uh there was another ball the ball at the end where matoma should have made it six like the difference here is that 
If you make, if you push up, we will, we will put a part, we'll put a through ball through this defense and we will kill you. And that is, we never saw many of those, those direct through balls in, in the, in the last few years. That's the difference with the Zerbi for me. One of the differences. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's wax lyrical now, shall we? <laughs> uh, because next up are the two goals. Um, 18 years old. Uh, I was just going to university. It was an absolute mess. Um, and really not my best self. Uh, Evan Ferguson is twice the size of me at 33, uh, and banging in goals like it's just the easiest thing he's ever done, uh, and competing physically at the highest level in the Premier League. Craig, uh, how how good is this kid going to be? It's it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, just, I mean, firstly, he's he's built like a <laughs> a brick something house i'm not gonna swear but he's obviously built for it and uh you're you're starting to see just how smart he is as well um he just he has the ability he has the knowledge he knows how we play and at 18 years old it's just it is remarkable uh i mean we can't say i mean we've seen him do it in the premier league now we've seen him now do it against the lesser opposition um he's only going to get better as well at 18 it is scary uh just not for us yeah, I um, I said to you guys, and while the game was going on, I'm I'm sort of glad. I think one goal was ruled out for offside, and then he was taken off because I want the plaudits to be limited for Evan Ferguson, um, because you you know how many envious clubs looking on at, at an 18 year old talent like that that can already bang goals in at seemingly any level he's asked to can lead the line and I know he messed up one touch a little bit earlier on in the game uh, where I can't remember I think it was a ball through from I forget but he scuffed it a little bit with his right foot when he could have scored but that goal that second goal with the way he sort of like turned and like cushioned and brought the ball across and then the fact he didn't just like try and cane it in the back of the net just like this casual, oh, I'm just going to place it into the corner. It doesn't matter. I, it's it's the kind of finish you would expect. Frankly, it's the kind of finish you'd expect from like a Danny Danny Welbeck, a player of his age and experience, to just be like, I know exactly what to do in this situation. I'm going to time my run perfectly and I'm going to bring it down. I think the funny part was, if you watch the replays, uh, I'm pretty sure Max ball in was going was att- intended for Solly March further on, and because Evan Ferguson's got such a massive reach, he's like, oh, "I'm having that." <laughs> just <laughs> just it down, just plucked it out of the yeah. air. Yeah, I think that that's the crazy thing about him too is that, like you say, like I think that goal was almost very reminiscent of his first ever one for the Albion too, wasn't it? That same style, and it he has such an odd way of finishing at times because he always said, you know, like put your foot through the ball, but like he seems to just like not. Like you seem like you said, like the the manner in which he finished it was very like almost like rigid. It was an odd, like it was an odd finish, wasn't it? And like the keeper still had no chance with the power he developed behind it. It was he's just scarily talented. Uh, I I know a couple of Ireland, well Irish people, obviously Ireland fans, and they're they're obviously like absolutely dying to see him in the green ASAP. Um, and if he keeps playing the way he does, he could be their next proper cool hero. Um, they were they were tricked by Aaron Connolly. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be the same this time around. Do you? I, I think this this kid is uh, whether it's for Brighton or someone a lot better than us. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty dangerous for a long time. 
I'm just, I'm just watching it again, just how, well, I mean, takes it down with his left and then the like the second touch is just unbelievable. So just the, the technique that the guy has on him at, at that age and at that size as well, we, we, we say like good feet for a big man, but like it, it is outrageous. And yeah, regardless of the opposition today, you score that in any game, that's, that's stellar. You know, think of the sliding doors moment where instead of signing odds on Edouard, we decided to nurture some talent from our youth team. And would you, who would you rather have now? <laughs> it's just, it sounds stupid. It sounds like a really stupid question, doesn't it? But do you remember when it was that, I can't remember what season it was, but you were like, oh, please just sign it, sign a striker, sign anyone. Then Palace go and sign Edouard. And you're like, oh God, he sounds like might be quite promising. I'm sure he's going to end up being like really annoyingly good. And we've missed out on him. And, you know, flash forward to now and, Hey, you, you've got a gem here and it's more about trying to figure out now the challenge is. I think we've now seen enough. I was very, 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 very careful of like trying to not get overexcited with Ferguson. When he, when he first came on, first scored his goal um, a few weeks ago at this point, a couple of months back, we were all like, all right, let's temper expectations. We don't know what's going to happen here. He's so young. Like Now I'm, I am, I'm full, I'm in. I'm in on it. Let's build the bloody team around him. Uh, we've seen enough. Uh, uh, and that's a different proposition. We're not trying to now like plug in or let's get lucky with buying some striker from Belarus. Like it's now let's build the team around Evan Ferguson and the other pieces that we have. Yeah, I think no doubt about it that Fergie will be one that Deserby will want to cultivate massively. Now, um, there's no reason not to when you've when you've got that level of player up there. Um, He's there. I mean, we're handed out new contracts to plenty, right? Like, let's get this kid signed up to a long-term deal immediately. Get Tom Bowley's lawyers in here and give him an eight-year deal if we need to. Like, whatever, whatever it takes, uh, because sooner or later, like, if he keeps putting him in, he's going to be under major pressure to move to a big team, uh, more than most, because strikers are always the, the craziest in demand. So let's just get him signed up for a long time as much as possible. Um, we did also have a debut for Ayari, uh, the midfielder, before we get to the two goals that were scored by our <laughs> now borderline world-class wingers, which everybody expected uh, from Solly March tw- 12 months ago. Um, the lad attempted a scissor kick, bicycle kick, uh, with his first touch of the game. Uh, does not lack for confidence, that lad, does he? He, he nearly got it too. I I I was. <laughs> it's just sort of what a way to introduce yourself. Just yeah, go on, go on, sunlight. Just try an outrageous sort of corkscrew scissor kick, and it, yeah, it, it was very close. Um, but yeah, it's good to see him on the pitch. I mean, there's there's obviously questions marks coming straight from the Swedish first division, but I think for for what it's worth, I think it's just embedding him in and seeing what he's like in five six games time. I think. We'll see. But obviously, there's trust in the guy. Look, uh, you want... We know we know Max going to leave the club at some point. Uh, I like what I saw here. Uh, very, very brief and against opposition that were at this point. It was a bit cruel, really, wasn't it? 78 minutes in, you're 3-0 down, like League 2 side. What a great little sort of debut to have, though. So you can't imagine anything better. There's there couldn't be less pressure. Just go and do whatever you want. And yeah, he nearly, nearly scored. Uh, it's uh, it's exciting. But he's he's your he's your guy. He slotted directly in where Mac was playing. Um, and 
didn't look out of place really let's see what he does at some point we're going to have to do a lot of rotation as the season continues and see how he does against maybe more um premium opposition if you will i just saw a quote from Naylor, um and people wonder why podcasts with random people like us do so well um this is because a reporter not andy a reporter has asked Deserby if he would prefer to win the Champions League or the FA Cup. The Champions League qualification, fourth place, or the FA Cup. Deserby's answer was both. Like, of course it was both. <laughs> Why would he pick one of this? This is a human being being paid to do this with managers at the very highest level. And these are the questions they're asking. Like, I swear to God, like, this, this is why podcasts are doing so well. <laughs> because the, the people who get to ask the real questions are just... Like what a stupid question! You mean that's not the number one question you would ask? Anything you could ask, does there be anything you would you wouldn't ask him that one question? No, I would ask him to be very. I would ask him off the record, very candidly, what exactly he said to get himself a red card. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. would be that would be box office. Uh, I suspect it wasn't as like kind as he made out to be. Um, Solly March and Mitoma uh, with the finishing touches. Uh, to kind of seal the game away. No real, you know, problem at that point. So Mitomo really could and should have had a sixth and seventh and eighth uh, from some of the misses he made today. Um, Adam Webster, first of all, what a ball in for Solly March for then a diving header. Uh, and then Mitoma's finish was, uh, well, lucky at best with the with the nasty deflection, which kind of summarised Grimsley's day, really, didn't it? Uh, not the best trip down to the south coast. Uh, it's nice, isn't it, though, that we're sat here these days. I know people have been reminiscing on all these embarrassing defeats we've had at the hands of much worse teams than us on paper in, in leagues uh, in the FA Cup. Isn't it nice to walk into a quarterfinal and put five past a team we're expected to put five past? Like, we actually did it. Yeah, this and this is this is one of the this is the tie. The only acceptable outcome in these types of things is if you win three nil plus. Like it, in these types of situations, and and yeah, but they're often, oftentimes, as you say, they're like, oh god, how are we gonna? In what way? What flavor of disappointment are we going to like concoct in the kitchen? Uh, but it was, yeah, it was clinical. There was the outside, as we said, the Sanchez thing. There was no worry, no issue. It's more about how are we gonna carve them apart, like, and what and how many will we score? And if anything, I'm more disappointed we didn't win like seven nil because the chances were absolutely there. Uh, yeah, just clinical. Yeah, we we talk about sort of brightening things up. You know, like that stereotypical, how are we going to F this one up and how are we going to make this more difficult for ourselves? And you look at the Stoke game and I think my only slight concern coming into this was how are we going to make it difficult for ourselves? Like how are we going to beat ourselves as opposed to how are the opposition going to find the way through? Um, I just, yeah, just like you said, the, the only acceptable result here was going to be scoring multiple goals and, and keeping a clean a clean sheet. So I'm glad we did it. It's it's nice, especially when you watch sort of Man City against Burnley and it's like, okay, we have dominance and everything apart from goals and now we're scoring the goals this season. So um, just nice to get the rewards from uh, that sort of statistical domination, if you like. Uh, quite a brutal response from Deserby in his post match as well. Uh, asked about the Estepinian substitution, as expected. Uh, he was subbed off simply because he thought that Purvis would play better than he did. <laughs> hey, 
That's good. But to be fair, to defend him, like I mentioned before, he was basically, I know that the, the online stuff isn't saying this, but my eyes was telling me, were telling me that we were basically playing through at the back. And SCP is not really a left centre back. It was a weird setup for him. Um, so I don't, I don't think he played horribly, but yeah, sure. I can see it wasn't his greatest game in the world. He'll be back yeah. starting again next time, though, won't he? It doesn't matter. Like, this oh, is how absolutely. it works. Yeah, absolutely. And and at the end of the day, he's been outstanding for the last couple of games anyway. Um, I think he was just hoping that with whatever the hell we were doing at the back there today, I mean, we almost were just operating with like whoever just fancied staying back at times. Uh, I think mm. he was hoping for a bit more from him, uh, which, as you say, is just not, it's not something that he was used to. Um, so let's move on to Palace um, because this one was the big one, the the statement game, really, wasn't it? We'd just got a point at Leeds. We should have had more, um, arguably, right? Like I, th- I think everybody agrees that we we, we did well enough to take more, uh, but we didn't. Um, we were really hoping that, you know, we could have at least took four points, if not more, um, off of Leeds and Palace. So a win now at home to Palace, uh, who we have a shit record with in the last couple of years. It's just draw, 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 draw. Um, was really important. Um, Wednesday night, you never know what's going to happen. It's a makeup game. It's a game in hand that everybody has been saying, we're okay, we're going to be great, we've got games in hand. We're now able to count that game in hand as something to be happy about because those three points are on the board uh, and we are well in within touching distance with those not just European spots, but genuinely that top four uh, after Spurs' disaster class yesterday. How were we feeling coming into this Obviously nervous, uh, but when you saw that lineup, Steele keeping his place, Veltman in, Colwell in, uh, how were you feel Welbeck in? Um, how were you feeling with with some of those changes before the game began? Yeah, nervous, like just always. And you you come into this sort of the first of the games in hand, shall we say? And I know you you just spoke about it, like you can't count your chickens. Uh, it's just them going three full games without a shot on target you're you're sort of oh this is this is set up to be one of those games isn't it um and we'll get into the first sort of 10 15 minutes but from a from a side perspective i think the only surprise was ferguson probably not starting but otherwise about as strong as you can get to be fair and it was just my nerves were about who we were playing not not not, um not the team so uh yeah i it was it was interesting, but I don't think you can ask too much, bar, barring Ferguson, maybe for Welbeck. So uh, you, you both have mentioned you come into this game, the stakes are high, but you, this is a Palace side that have been diabolical from, from a form standpoint. As you mentioned, they haven't put a shot on target in what appears to be about four four-ish years. Uh and then prior to the game, they're informed that they basically got to get like Steve down the pub to play and goal for them. So with all that information there and the players that we had, which was my only ask from the previous game was get Adam Webster out and put Levi Colwell in. That happened. So I assumed then with all of those changes and all those, the odds in our favour, we would lose the game 3-0. Um, but <laughs> it's certainly yeah, easy to look at that and think, all right, this is going to be a walk in the park or we'll, we'll figure out a way. And then I think there was, can only be described as what, shell shock in the first 10 minutes of the game. And just to, just to jump on that point and really hammer it down people's throats, because I'm sure they'll quite like this, this point. 
Palace haven't won in 2023. <laughs> like, this is a bad, bad football team. Like, they have not won in 2023. Their last win was away at Bournemouth on New Year's Eve. That was it. They've not won since then. They've drew a few. <laughs> but outside of that, they are, they are. I think they're one of, if not the worst team in the 92 in 2023. Um, and as you say, it all seemed to count for nothing in that first 10 minutes, didn't it? They hadn't had a shot on target in three games. Uh, and within 10 minutes, they had four, I think. Um, they came out like absolute lightning. Unsurprisingly, Zaha at the four, all over it. Uh, luckily for us, um, as you say, uh, Odson Edouard is an absolute clown, uh, just a total donkey, uh, and saved us our blushes, really. Like we, we could have been really embarrassed in that first 10 minutes at home at the Amex, and the game is very different indeed. Uh, but for those first 10 minutes, Edouard really showed that he is uh, not great, is he? Um, and when you have a striker like that, just barn door stuff, isn't it? Um, a free header within the first sort of five, six minutes, and and that changes the whole complexion. And just you're right, they're they're all over us, and sort of that sort of shell shock that Adam had mentioned. It was it was weird. Uh, I think you know we've we've said a few times like we we do start games well nowadays. It kind of report <laughs> took me back to old where we wouldn't start very well at all, and I was like, oh, we've just reverted the type here. Uh, very strange, but thankfully, this is a team completely devoid of any confidence and are just not able to take their chances. And um, so you weather that storm in the first 10, 12 minutes and, and you move on. Yeah, I it was hard watching that first bit, first bit of the game. It really was. Um, and I, I've been, I'm annoyed because the wish that I had was like Adam Webster clearly wasn't at the races last time around. Bring in Levi Colwell. He's been incredible all season. Levi Colwell's positioning for the first X amount of time in that game was Grimsby stuff. Uh, it was like not good, not good. He was caught out of position multiple times. Every chance that, that, that Palace had, if you go back and watch some of this stuff, is because Cole will have like stand stepped up and just completely forgot that players can run behind him. Like it was it wasn't good. So hopefully just a weird moment for him. But I don't there's no mistake and well I'm sure we'll get on to the the dying 98th minute of the game as well. But the changes that inevitably were made for the Grimsby game in terms of personnel weren't in my mind weren't like oh rotation for a cup game no they were they were what we talked about at the start it was because a couple of players did stupid things and you're going to be benched yeah um that first 10 12 minutes uh palace had six shots three on target three corners eduardo two of those shots uh, elise had another one and zaha had the other um and i recall the commentator saying now they've weathered the storm can brighton grow into this a little bit Q within about eight seconds after that, Karu Mitoma uh, placing just a filthy, unreal ball, just unbelievable uh, to the on-running Solly March, who had timed his run to an absolute T as a centre forward, basically at this point, uh, and then coolly slotted it into the opposite corner um, past the what twelve-year-old Whitworth goalkeeper. Um, or was he 11? Is he is that they're under 11s or they're under 12s? I'm not sure. Um, 
and the game was immediately turned on its head and you just felt the atmosphere just the palace fans you you would have been forgiven to think they'd gone home immediately the players you saw it just it be just everything just fell apart for them mentality wise didn't it very quickly after that um they had their chances for sure after that but they were not the team they were in that first 10 minutes as soon as Solly put that into the back of the net, were they? It's such a role reversal, isn't it? Where we've seen that happen to us on so many occasions um, where you're just dominating six shots, three on target, and all of a sudden there's just a sucker punch, just some world-class movement and slotting it away. And suddenly the other team's completely dejected. Everyone's very happy. Um, and it just sort of just completely changes the balance of the game. Um before I forget, I'm going to say still did make a very good save from Elise um, during those 12 minutes. And I thought he was actually quite good. Um, that, that again, is a very good save that he needs to make. Um, and, uh, yeah, still aside, that was a very good save. But just moment of quality. And all of a sudden, you're, you're 1-0 up. And again, I think similar to what we just said earlier about Grimsby, is you're then much more able to manage that game, especially with the way that we play. Um, but what a finish and, and what a ball. Like those are those are two wingers that are playing out of their skin at the moment. And of course, you know, it'd be remiss not to mention the fact that the ball was placed um which which March ran onto and finished comfortably past uh New England call up Mark Gahey. Uh, obviously Southgate saw enough there that he thought you we need you in the England team if you're gonna get beat like that. Uh I mean we by the way, I know we're we're amazing with the Matoma ball but I still at the time I couldn't get over the finish from March as well it was it was really done in such a way that it wasn't an easy angle that he was at he was so far to the side and there was only one little bit of placement that he could put it in I know you kind of talked about this but this Solly March didn't exist that long ago this 10 months ago this Solly March wasn't on the planet he roofs that it just goes into just the stands and this time he's like there's one little tiny bit in the bottom right corner that I can't even see from the angle that I'm at that I'm going to place the ball into Uh, it's hard to fathom the advancements that man has made as a football player over the last 12 months who I have completely written off um and as as being like a a like a top tier Premier League player, but he's playing like a top tier Premier League player. That's incredible. Um, all credit to him and Deserby, and fantastic that he signed his new contract. But the most important thing, probably, to talk about is how on earth Decore was was on the pitch, which <laughs> was just yeah. Um, just going back to Solly real quick. Like I remember when we did our pod and we were all laughing because. Uh, Deserby, the first name out of his mouth was Solly March. He'd done a lot of research yeah. and was excited to work with Solly March. And we're all like, <laughs> what? Like, he's okay. Like, but I, I'm not sure. Like, what? Like, what is this lad doing? Like, but how has he got so much footage and belief in Solly March? Uh, and now we're like, all right, sound. We're all absolute dickheads who shouldn't be anywhere near a football team managing them because Deserby is a genius. Uh, he's unbelievable. The, the turnaround has been mad. The people that are probably all left watching the pod right now to go watch the Grand Prix starting, it's like someone going to the, the F1 paddock and being like, and they're like, you can drive in any car. And the person's like, you know what? I really want to get behind the wheel of a Hass. 
and that, that's <laughs> so that was the equivalent of what he just what he said. But uh, but he's he's strapped nitrous oxide into that Hass, and it's it's unbelievable. I, I don't. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a Lonzo in the Aston Martin, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Lonzo in the Aston. It's like yeah, Martin, I'll, yeah. I'll go to Aston yeah. Martin, and then the next minute he's on podium, and it's like what? <laughs> what has happened there? Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw the interview with Solly post contract renewal, um, but he was asked if Deserby was the best manager ever worked under. Um, Solly is not. I love him to death, but we've watched enough behind the scenes footage now to know Solly is not the. the most astute person. Uh, so the fact that he spent 0.1 seconds deciding that Deserbi is absolutely the best manager he's ever worked under, and he immediately goes to the fact that he felt like he's had an arm put around him and really like love some love given to him, uh, doesn't exactly cover some of the past managers in glory, but it just shows like how much difference some of these players... We talk about confidence players, like, holy shit. Like, this is another level altogether, isn't it? Like, just whatever Deserby has done, Solly is absolutely adamant that he is massively responsible for this ups, uptick in, in performance. And this is a guy that's been sort of playing for us for, what, 10 years? So we've, we've been watching him for a very long time. And I think the amount of times we've said he's a confidence player is probably in the hundreds, is that we, we know that he has that ability, but... The, the consistency that we're seeing it now and just the level that has been raised, um, clearly there's some, some sort of night and day impact that has just turned this good player into a great player. Um, and long may it continue. Like I said, I've, I've been another three, four-year contract in him as well. Um, he's pivotal to what we do now. And he, he's one of the first names on the team sheet and, and long may it continue because, again, another goal today, um, scores another one against Palace, you know, loves it. And again, like you said, he's he's uh, he's not the most outgoing. He's quite shy and timid. But for him to shush the Palace fans second game in a row is pretty outstanding as well. So he gets it as well. And and that's it's so good. I mean, like you said, we, we've had a tendency to write him off. Uh, and I don't think many people could have seen the level that he's playing at now for, for him. So uh, it's, it's really good to watch. Let's talk about... Decorum. I'm losing my voice again. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm furious. That's how angry I am. Uh, I feel like deserve me. I'm going to get red carded. Um, rightfully booked on about 28 minutes and somehow is still on the pitch at halftime. Can anybody make sense at all as to how this happened? What? Like, it's got to be one of the weirdest sequences of decision-making from a referee I've seen in a long time in a Brighton game. And I've watched ones where they've reversed full-time um, <laughs> to get a <laughs> uh, And I'm still putting this up there with that level of just like twilight zone, like high strangeness <laughs> that was going on here to justify keeping him on the pitch. Uh I so um, by the way the the, the Grand Prix started interestingly so when you no do spoilers, watch the, I'm no not going to give you any spoilers I'm just saying it's interesting is, is how I frame it um, I the only defence that you can possibly have for the decision making that was shown was the referee knew that this was a game that had tension bubbling away and as soon as you show a red card to a player all hell breaks loose 
and he was doing everything that he could to keep uh, everyone on the pitch. That's the only defense you can have because he could have had four or five yellow cards. That's the only the only way you can think about it in my mind, unless there's something else that's happened that I just can't even conceive of. Um, but it's the the fact is, you know, when a manager yanks a player off as a sub and the flight, as soon as he can, when he's yellow carded, you know that it's bad because he's like you cannot stay in the pitch any longer because I know you're getting sent off. Uh, and if he, I think if he'd have came out on the pitch in the second half, he was he would have been sent off. Uh, the ref was just like, I'm not going to give a red card in the first half. Weird. And I think just only emphasised by what we saw in the second half as well for what is an identical challenge. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think Adam, you're right that he loses all control of that game if there's a red there, and then all of a sudden it comes a very difficult game to manage, even at that. Um, but that's no excuse. There's there's three yellow cards there for the core eight, really. Um, so it it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, we can talk. We always talk about refereeing and just the the level that it's at in this country. Um, I'll be surprised, no, um, but it happens on such a consistent basis that we feel like we're talking about it over and over again. Um, it's weird. Deserved to be off, rightfully yanked off at half time because Vieira knew that he was going to get sent off regardless of the next foul that he even made. One of Vieira's last good tactical manoeuvres. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to talk about Vieira because what, what happened where he tricked the world temporarily into people thinking he was a good manager? He was shocking at all of his old jobs. He was I crap everywhere. Would, I assumed he would be bad at Palace. And then all of a sudden, he just like had this like one wonder season or like two, really. And it just felt, it felt almost like Eddie Howe at Bournemouth and Nathan Jones at Luton and like those one and Kerbishly at Charlton where like they just like find this perfect little partnership and it all goes really well. But then it actually really wasn't, and he really is. Uh, what did they say? The 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 NFL phrase like they are who we thought they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that is that is pretty much Vieira's week uh, in a in a nutshell. Patrick Vieira's managerial uh, prowess and skill is what we thought it was. Yes, I. It, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, it's funny how it's all gone down. It's funny to see Palace in turmoil. Uh, who knows who they're going to hire? It's a weird. It's a weird time to fire a manager in like towards the middle of March. I what? What are you? I, I guess they just they, they 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 just saw where they were at. And what is it in the table now? Thank God we're not involved in this, right? Yes, the well, it's the international break too. It's, so that's you're probably- right. That's probably what played a little bit of logic into Parrish's brain of mm. I've got eleven days to try and find someone. I was about to say that, like you're you're away to the league leaders and then you have a two like a week break as well. Like if, if there's a time to do it, it was gonna be now. Otherwise you would have had to stick with them you stick, all the way yeah. through. And they're what they're only three it's twentieth to twelfth is three points. So I think they almost have to reshuffle, right? They have to try anything. Anything. Because they could have easily fallen in. They still can. They could easily fall into that. Um, I mean, if their form continues, they will, like, categorically. Like, yes. it's not It's not often form like this continues for as long as that. But we've seen it, especially in the championship. We've seen teams that 
start off on fire and just collapse. Uh, there's one of them. Who is it? Derby. Derby were famous for it for a couple of years, weren't they? They would be top of the league at Christmas and then they wouldn't even finish in the playoffs. Like we see it like, and that's over 23 odd games. Like Palace yeah. are absolute, any team is capable of going on a run like that. Brighton have done it a few times. I mean, look at that six defeats in a row last year. Like we've had it just last year. We, we've seen this happen. Um, they're, they're in trouble. It doesn't matter who you bring in at this stage. Like uh, Roy Hodgson is currently favorite still, even now. How mental is that? It's such a such a backward step from the eighteen months ago, and it's just such a knee jerk reaction to what to what they what they're doing. And it just only solidifies all the great things that our club does. <laughs> that you you just watch this utter pandemonium happen, and just knee jerk reactions from everywhere, bringing someone out of retirement for the third time to take you through ten more games of the season, like it. Strange, very strange. Obviously, he wasn't he wasn't up to par. I don't think he's a good manager at all. But there's no other better options that are going to come to your club. So it it's just sort of it just beggars belief as to oh who else are you going to get in? And I know we're talking about Palace a lot, but like Parish coming out and saying oh we're not gonna we're not gonna interview for for a job unless like unless the other person's sacked. It's like you're an idiot, and like you don't even know who you're bringing in, and you've got like eleven games left to save your to save your Premier League status. It it's just such a backwards run club. Be very funny if they got dragged in, wouldn't it? Be very funny if they, they got caught up they in are. chum. They are in it. They have yeah, to be. they are they are dragged in it. Every They're, single team in from what twelfth below are dragged in it. Absolutely. Mm. Highest score of Zaha on six, right? That's one of the lowest that you can see on, on the list. And they're four points from bottom. Yeah. Uh, but I'd, I'd like, be nice to switch them out with West Ham, wouldn't it? Yes, uh, they're not. They're just not a good football team, um, and their transfer work is abominable. Um, but lovely talking, to see. Talking of good transfer work, um, Joel Veltman, unbelievable at Palace after that first four or five minutes. Uh, I have not seen Zaha get that upset in quite some time against Brighton and Nova Albion especially. Um, but if you ever want one player to play the shithouse mind games that Zaha plays for 90 minutes against Brighton, there is not a man in the last 10 years you could have asked for better than Joel Veltman, who played like an absolute prick for 90 minutes and just rattled him from the word go, didn't he? He didn't even, like, there's nothing else. You can go on to, like, all the stat websites. Veltman was fine, like stat wise, like he was fine. But if you watch that game and the way he marshals Zaha, it's enough to like put him up there as one of the top performances of the night for me. Like it was just an astounding piece of work from a lad that is just every other week we're coming out and saying, can't believe it was 900 grand, can't believe it, like broken record. But like what he did was just wonderful wasn't it and playing it right back not even his main position <laughs> oh i don't even know what his main position is <laughs> <At this point. laughs> the same with gross it's like, i don't i don't know where you're best actually uh the, uh the 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 interesting thing here is that you could you can very clearly argue right that is is march reaching his peak down to uh, managerial guidance and I think we could probably all say here, yes. 
Um, and meaning like if, if Solly got sold to another club tomorrow and worked under another manager, does he go back to old Solly or does he play like new Solly? With Joel Veltman, he's just always played like this. He's always been this good ever since we bought him under doesn't matter whoever. And from what we heard from fans in, in the Eredivisie as well, he seems to be consistently good there as well. Um, just a just fairly consummate. He just knows the game. He's a very smart player. It, it isn't like particularly skilled, physically gifted. None of that stuff. It's just a player you put on the pitch. Like, uh, uh. As long as you don't make a weird pass to the left winger like you did against Leeds, you are always going to be in the first 11 if we, if we want you there. It, my favourite thing about Veltman is like, he is a prick, right? But then he acts like the nicest guy in the world on the pitch. So like you, you saw it against Zaha and stuff like that. Like they're just kicking lumps out of each other, and then Veltman will go and try and shake his hand, and it'll just only make people more annoyed. So like it's just that sort of mind game and association with his sort of hard ass and just the way that he the way that he plays. But then he acts like such a nice guy straight afterwards. It's like who are you? Um, so it was just, it was really funny every time you go and try and high five or, or shake Zaha's hand and it would just only annoy him even more. Uh, just such a good player. And like you said, Mr. Consistent, you know exactly what you're getting. And I think it's nice that you bring March into it because defensively Veltman being so solid means March doesn't really have to think too much defensively as well and allows him a little bit more rain. Um, just what a player. And again, just one of the, one of the bargains of, of what we do and, had Zaha in his pocket most of their game. It's just yeah, really good. But let, uh, your point about defensive thing is absolutely on it. But I will say, like the sister, the Serbian coaching staff have trained the wingers to to track back when they when needed very very well. And I don't know if you like we see it, we even saw it with Matoma against Grimsby um, early on in the game when they had one bit of an attack and I think someone else had pushed up a little bit more and he's not shy about just coming back and putting the defensive work in and then carrying the ball forward it's just a really really well oiled machine that that's been created over a very short period of time and uh talking of mr consistent just in recent weeks what a uh what an easy like time jason Steele has had sliding into this team it's as if he has always been number one isn't it well he started to play at sanchez in uh, stoppage time didn't he uh <laughs> Yeah, but outside of that, he's been he's been he has been very very good. He pulled off a couple of really like decent saves, um, uh, you know, it, throughout the game, especially during that first 10, 15 minute spell, as Craig already touched on. Um, that uh, I swallowed my I don't know heart during that that moment where I, who put him under like who passed the ball back in a wheel? I can't even remember who it was at this point, but he tried to pass the ball out to someone. I think it was Pascal Gross. He was sat in central defence for some reason, and then obviously he got caught in possession. But it wasn't it was it wasn't clean that that setup there. And if they did have a player that seemed to recognise that the winner football game, you need to put a ball in the back of a net, we would have been in trouble. But thankfully, Palace don't have any of those. <laughs> Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. Um, one of those players that also stood out statistically, especially you'll go on to if you go on to any of the sites, uh, the man who was subbed off for not being good enough against Grimsby, uh, mistressed opinion, led the way defensively and offensively in most stats, key passes, tackles, interceptions. Uh, he was all over it uh, on Wednesday. Um, it's mad, isn't it, really, to think that we were 
it's March now. We're a year ago, you know, 10 months ago, we were just a couple of months away from crowning Kukurea as our player of the season and player's player of the season. Um, and we now have another left back that seems to be finding levels above Mark Kukurea every week. He was, he's just astoundingly good, isn't he, in most weeks? It's mad. I, I think there's, there was a, a little YouTube video of Estepinion and a little feature, four-minute feature on the the official YouTube. He was like, oh, yeah, I, I only moved here, what, six, seven months ago. And that's just out, just mad to me that someone can come in, do such a job and be in a, a whole new place and a whole new team and be as effective as he has. Um, you know, Kukurea did do it last year to to an effect, and but you're, you're just seeing how well and how good he is. He's one of those players that you could temptingly put in world class for me, um, just with the way that he plays and what he brings to this team. Um, today, I, when we're talking Grimsby and looking back, obviously, Deserby thinks so. I think probably other people do as well. He wasn't at his best today, but consistently across this season, he's one of the best players, arguably, we've, we've seen in our stripes. You know what I think people forget? That um, Pervis Estupini was playing Champions League football uh, for Villarreal not that long ago. Um, and there's a permanent fixture in his international team. Like this, this wasn't, this was the one time we didn't just buy some unknown guy from somewhere. Uh, like we, we, we bought a player from a, a side that fairly consistently qualifies for Europe and is, and has fundamentally played at a very, very high level. Um, and he, he looks like that. Is one, the, uh, there's a difference there, though, of signing a player like that and then getting them to perform in, in a Premier League almost immediately. And he and he did that straight away. Uh, it's I still uh, will think and talk about the idea that we fleeced Chelsea. We fleeced everyone. We 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 sold off a player that had a very 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 good season, and then arguably bought in a better one. Uh, we brought in a better one, and that was when we paid less for him. We made a bunch of money. And I would, I would, I would take that trade deal now. A hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, he's the better player. Um, Stephen in the chat asking if Estepinion played at Watford. Yes and no. Um, he was signed by Watford uh, and then immediately loaned out uh, as a youngster to um, whoever it was in Segunda. Um, was it Osasuna's? B team, someone like that. Uh, and he continued to go on loan for a couple of years uh, where he was very good for Osasuna in the uh, top division while Watford were in the championship and he didn't want to play at that level, understandably. Uh, and then when they did get promoted uh, and they were talking about playing his opinion and finally giving him a chance at the Prem, Villarreal came in with about 18 million quid, I think, and bought him straight off of Watford and Watford let him go. So he was bought by Watford, uh, but their yo-yo uh, kind of <laughs> life cycle did not really allow him a chance to play. Well, he didn't play a single minute of Premier League football. He wasn't registered in any Watford squad or anything like that. So, yes and no, Stephen. He's never played for Watford, but he was a player under their books for quite a while. Yeah, he did, he did like a, a a tour of sort of D-tier Spanish sides uh, he played for a number of them until finally make on loan before making that proper move. A, bit, a very, very weird segue off, but Villarreal are fun. I, I do like Villarreal purely because I think there's nice parallels to to how we work as a club. They're, like, they're in a tiny little town, I think, outside of 
like decent way outside of Valencia, like local owner that owns supermarkets, I think. Right. And the, the, the heights that they've gone to and what they've achieved and some of the players that have come through that club and then moved on um, is it's such a it's, it's a nice way of running a football club. Like it feels like one of those ones where you're like, OK, it's, you're not just complete sellouts. You just built a nice football club. You play good football. You've hired good players. You've hired good managers and you play in great competitions. Like I said, yeah, always nice to see V-Rail doing good. It'll be, I guess, I guess you'll feel a little bit disappointed. Well, not disappointed, but just a little sad to see him get knocked out of the Europa League quarterfinals next year when we score three. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't. They can, they can shove their pottery at that point. <laughs> La Ceramica or whatever they are. I don't care about them at that point. You can give, go back to a supermarket for all I care. But when we don't play them, I like them. <laughs> Uh, just in other news, just because. Well, let's let's do man of the match. Palace first. Uh, who do you have as your man of the match? Either one of you. I'll let you let either one of you pick who wants to go first. Uh, or you can just give man of the week if you want. You can just pick per pick a player from the last two games that stood out. Oh, I'll I'll bosh one then. I don't. I, this is, I don't even believe in myself truly here. But I have actually thought. We gave Alexis a lot of crap recently, and I I thought he's played really quite well in these last two games. Nothing like in, nothing incredible, incredible that he's done, but he's been really tidy on the ball. His his positioning and his movement has been really good. Some of the touches that he he managed to set off to like keep the ball flowing out uh, to to the wide players that then get directed in has been great. Um, he obviously put the ball in today that was arguably for solid march that Ferguson brought down. But I just, yeah, um, he's when he is able to, in some ways, fade into the background of a game a little bit and isn't the centerpiece of it. I think he becomes a better player. I think that's somewhat was what happened in the last two games, and he makes the other players around him better. Yeah, I think for well, I think for for Palace, I was going to go for Estepinion. I think just uh, we've already talked about him, so I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail. And a fairly low hanging fruit for Grimsby with Evan Ferguson and just the difference that he makes. So it, yeah, I know that's low hanging fruit, lads. Sorry, but uh, I think we we've, we've talked about both at length, so I need to go through it again. I don't think. Yeah, no fair. Uh, I think he was very much on my list as was Solly March because he was the mm. game changer. Um, yeah, he was the one who scored the goal, uh, and. In games like that, they're just so, so bloody important. I mean, obviously, they're important in every game, but like for that particular one, like that goal is just so vital. Um, and to then sign a new contract, it just feels like it's been a very good week to be Solomon March. Um, mm. Just looking at the table, uh, we were talking about Palace being well in it. Um, they are in a situation where if the teams below them win their games in hand, uh, and some of them are against each other, but it can still work out quite comfortably. Uh, it's not like a crazy one. Like there's not a huge amount of mass involved. If the teams below them win their games in hand, they will be in the bottom three, regardless of what they do, um, without them lifting a finger. Uh, so they are very much in trouble. Um, and that goes that goes for two or three of the others too. By the way, like there's a few there. That if they don't win their game in hand, there and others do, they're in big shit as well. So they are they are very much in the mire. Um, they're in big trouble, which is lovely. Um, I would love them to go down. Love it. We'll see. But, uh, you know, in some ways it'll be a little bit of a shame. It'll be a little bit of a shame because uh, you do look forward to these games. Um, 
but uh, maybe just me. No, I don't enjoy their games at all. It's just stress, more stress than I need. Thank you. I would love to have them. Just, no, bring them down. Bring them down a notch. They're not as uh, bring them back down to the championship. Bring them down a notch. Enjoy their mind the gap bullshit and uh, don't have to deal with 180 minutes of the level of football we get dragged down to whenever we play them. Fair. I don't <laughs> mind that perspective. I'll buy into that as well. All right, international break time. Uh, so we obviously won't be recording next week. Next up is Brentford, as you say, huge, huge April coming up. I mean, it's just by the end of April, which is only a month, they go by very quickly these days. We'll be uh, we'll be like those uh, those president before and after pictures. We'll be like dishevelled <laughs> and just like so aged by April thirtieth. <laughs> we'll be we'll be shadows of our former. God, selves. if this is my before, <laughs> that's <laughs> not good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I need to do an as an after and an after. <laughs> yeah. um, do we have anything else we want to talk about before we wrap? Thanks. I don't. Th- I mean, I've just. What a great end to the week! What a great we're going. We're going to play Wembley. Like we haven't said, we've really said that we're going. We're going to Wembley. We're going to we're going to play whoever wins our Man United or Fulham. And let's face it, can we beat Man United or Fulham? Yes. It's weird, isn't it? Like it, it seems a bit anticlimactic, but uh, yeah, another semi final. What is our, our third one? So be a, a massive day out for a, a lot of people. So uh, stellar end to the week. Yep. Yep, and March scored again in March. So that was that was the biggest worry for me that we would get to another day, we would get to Grimsby and we wouldn't see Solly March score again in March. So I'm delighted. Um, all right, fellas. Uh, have a wonderful week. Uh, I haven't seen any of the Grand Prix yet. So I just wish everybody a lovely week uh, and we'll speak to you again in April with the exception of Max Verstappen. Um, I hope he has a terrible week and I hate him. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll speak to you all in April, everybody. Have a good one. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank man. you.